Imagine waking up knowing you were going to go to war against thousands, but the only thing that you were able to bring was an instrument. How would you feel about your chances? Yeah, not good. And yet, that actually happened. And that story changed my life forever. That story and more on today's episode of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. Welcome to the first episode ever of the Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader podcast. My name is Jordan. I'm the author of Thoughts of a Dying Worship Leader. And so let me just say welcome and thanks for tuning in. Whether you're a worship leader, a church leader, or just a lover of Jesus, I believe God has something special to say to you through this book. And so I just thought, why don't we make an episode for every chapter and get a little bit more discussion and uh, maybe just go deeper into the concept. You know, it was just over two years ago that I started this, so 2018, and uh, when it was done, I was like, wow, I want to talk to more people. I want to get in touch with my brothers and sisters uh, leading worship, and so that's what I'm doing. You know, I was just at a place in life when I wrote this book and started on this, really this first chapter, this overall thought, where I was just kind of done with the church thing. You ever been there? Uh, I just wasn't feeling worship. You know, I was in a spot of wondering where God was, and I was wondering, if I was doing the right thing with my life. And at that point, I had been leading worship for about 10 years, and I know many of you have been leading worship or just worshiping in general for that long as well. And you know, if that's true, have you ever asked, God, is, is that what you had in mind when you thought of worship? You know, and that was the question, like the question. Just a little tip. You know, over time, and After having many conversations with people, I've learned as Jesus followers, we often do one of two things. The first is, you know, we follow God when things are going great, and that's great. But when things get tough, maybe we go to other sources, and maybe we still go to God. But I mean, like, where do we go first? I know for me, often, maybe I go to friends or family or books or all kinds of other things. You know what I'm saying, right? Like, when it's good, God is good. But when it's tough, God is absent? Maybe. Something I've learned through this process in my life is a reminder of a very simple truth. God is with us when it's good and when it isn't. You know, we we need to be more honest with God. Like, you know, we need to tell him when we're mad and let's tell him when when we think he's wronged us and just let's be real about it. You know, instead of going elsewhere when we think God is absent, let's go to him and allow His presence to do the work, right? Like I said, we either do one of two things. We either go to God all the time, or we go to God uh, when it's good. And for me, in this season, I was, I was going elsewhere. To be honest, I, I didn't do this the right way as I look back. I, I just tried to kind of keep going. Have you ever done that? You know, like I just I was like, well, maybe if I just keep on doing the church thing and the Bible reading thing and just kind of keep on doing the things that... I've been told to do that maybe this will pass, but that's not necessarily how it worked out. And I thought maybe like a headache, it would eventually just fade away and life would go back to normal. Just a good night's sleep, you know, and 
And then I would love church again, and I'd love leading worship, and I'd love all those things that I was currently struggling with, but nah, that's not what happened. You know, I was struggling with people seeming to not engage in worship. Now, that might seem easy to you, and maybe you got the church answer for me, like, well, God sees what's going on on the inside, and you don't. Well, that's nice, but it's hard sometimes when you're up there leading worship, and or maybe you're a Christian, and you know, you want so badly for the person next to you to kind of have a transformational experience, and, and maybe to your view or your perception, you don't, you don't really see it. And I was struggling with the perception of people coming in and, and out of church but not having a change in their life. I was struggling with going up on the stage every week and seeing maybe cold faces or faces that, to me, seemed like maybe their heart wasn't attached to the words that maybe were being mouthed. And I was struggling with whether or not I believed that this form of church was what Jesus had in mind when he, you know, commissioned Peter and said, I was going to build my church upon you. And, you know, have you ever had that question? Have you ever questioned that at all? I mean, I sure was. And then when I least expected God to show up, he showed up, doesn't he? You know, I'm not sure if you've read Second Chronicles before, and if you have, then chapter 20 has to be somewhere in your memory because it's powerful. And I was just going through my Bible reading. Let's, I'm going to be real honest, confession. I don't even know if I was looking for God in this day of Bible reading. I was just checking the box. I know you've been there. And so that's what I was doing. And I was in Chronicles. So, you know, this wasn't like the Gospels or maybe whatever book is most exciting to you. I was in Chronicles and maybe I was just going through it. But Second Chronicles 20, man, it got me. And I, I, I highly suggest, I'm going to keep this short, but I want to, I think you should look it up and read it. And if you have my book, then we talk about it there. But in summary, you know, the, the story is about God's people. They're surrounded by multiple armies. And these armies outnumber them. They're stronger. They're faster. Just better in every way. And the people are nervous. I mean, wouldn't you be nervous? I mean, they're freaking out. And God says, Specifically, he says, tomorrow, take your position, and basically, I'm going to take care of everything else. I'm going to win this battle for you. Now, as I read that story, I really heard the Holy Spirit speak to me, but, but, but what was clear as day, and I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, like when you're reading scripture and you've read it a hundred times, but something else jumps out, like this particular sitting, it dawned on me that nowhere in scripture did... did did God say that anybody wasn't going to die? He just said, take your position and I'll take care of the battle. I will fight this battle for you. But he didn't necessarily say that there wasn't going to be any casualties. And it just dawned on me because a little further in the story, the king goes, you know, tomorrow we're going to put all of our musicians and all of our worshipers and all of our singers at the front. Wow. I mean, like, that's cool to read unless... You're them. <laughs> I, it just, what? I mean, what do you mean? Like, I get it, but no, right? Like we, we when we see those, I, I, I kind of have that memory of those Civil War movies where like there's a little drummer boy dude up in front of the army. I mean, that's cool and all, but somebody had to be like, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of like that kid. Maybe we shouldn't, <laughs> you know? And I, I wonder if they had that feeling, but as I read it, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, 
this is what I want from you, Jordan. Every time you lead worship, anytime you speak, anytime you serve me in any way, I, I, I want it to be like this, like a one-way trip, like you make it a one-way trip. So if you're leading worship, Jordan, I don't want you to be worrying about what everybody else is doing. Uh, that's my business. I'm, I'm doing this. Jordan, when you're speaking, I don't, I don't want you to be concerning yourself. What I want you to do is take your position and make it a one-way trip, have that mentality. I mean, I've read 2 Chronicles 20 before. I've heard 2 Chronicles 20 preach, and I never thought that. And I, as clear as day, I feel like the Holy Spirit speak that to me. And it started this book. It started all of this. It started this change in me. It started this renaissance of, of who I am and who God's made me to be. Because God said, every time you lead worship, I want you to make it like it's a one-way trip. Like you're not coming back. Like you'll never get to do it again. It's amazing. When you change your perspective to something like that, to maybe like these worshipers in 2 Chronicles 20, how much of your perspective changes, the things that you focus on change, and how much you allow the Lord to do in your life. And that was where I was. As I talk about it in the book, I want so badly to hear the conversations between the men and women who were on that front line that day, don't you? The musicians, right? Like, the day before this, they were making tunes, and now they're at the front? Like, yeah, don't you want to hear what they're talking about and what they said that day leading up to the evening and, and what they said that morning? I mean, we read these stories sometimes like they aren't real people, but put yourself there for a second. I mean, like, wow, what a shift in roles and responsibilities. Imagine it was you and me, and God told us that we were headed to the front lines to do battle next Sunday as a worship team or as a greeting team or just as a, a person who's going to church that all of a sudden it became this different mentality. That's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me. I mean, what would the mood be? Don't you think uh, there'd be some people who all of a sudden decline on Planning Center? <laughs> I bet. I so bet. I mean, I hope I would. I don't know what I would do. I mean, what would we be saying to each other? Imagine you and me and your friends and your worship team and mine. What would we be saying to each other? Wow, I don't know. But that is where I was as I read 2 Chronicles 20 in this season of, God, what is this? And what are you doing? And feeling like the task was impossible, like I, I just couldn't win. And then God spoke to me through 2 Chronicles 20 and I started to write it down. And in the first chapter, I talk a lot about it. But I mean, have you ever been in a moment like that? A moment that you know is bigger than you? A moment that, you know, you have a sense that God orchestrated something or this on your behalf, but it takes like, wow, just faith. Man, that's what 2 Chronicles 20 was to me. And I wanted it. I, I, I don't know if it was like the scales that fell from my eyes like Saul, but I, I, I saw this thing differently after I read 2 Chronicles 20 again and, and that the, the voice of the Lord spoke to me. And, but for us, isn't it the same? I mean, can I make a suggestion or can I submit to you that what we do on Sundays as we come together and worship, whether we're in the audience or not, or leading, it, it, it's the same. We are, we are doing something in the natural that has supernatural implications. Are we not on the front lines when we lead worship, when we serve? And when we worship in general, the Lord told me to stop worrying about how the battle would be won and just be obedient and head to the front. 
and lead worship like I would never be able to do it again and to watch. Watch him do the move. Watch him bring the miracle. You know, if, if God had sent the best swordsmen, the best archers, or the best warriors to the front, we would never, we would never even be impacted the way we are by this story. You know, it, it would make sense. But this doesn't make sense. Putting your musicians and your worshipers at the front of an army for, an, for a sword battle doesn't make sense. But it's God. It's a miracle. And I want miracles. I want them for you. I want them for me and our churches and our worship teams and our moments in small groups. I want those. I want, I want to want miracles. I want to see miracles. And I want this generation of worship leaders and worshipers to begin to believe in the God of 2 Chronicles 20 again. And, and if possible, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit to put on the garments of worship that they wore that day as well. You know, because for me, in that moment while I was reading that passage in that season where I was, as I'm sure others have been, my attitude and perspective needed to change. And I hear that word creative thrown around a lot today. And I get it. And it's cool because I'm creative and you're creative and I all want to be creative. But being creative wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It, it, it needs to be deeper. And I think a better word is, I don't know, like a renaissance, allowing the Holy Spirit to truly give us a rebirth as an artist, as a creative, and as just a person, a son or daughter of God. And I want you to begin to pray that God will help you to see the supernatural work of his hands, especially as a worship leader. You know, let God revive the artist in you. Let God re, uh, revive the warrior in you. And understand that uh, as you're picking songs and as you're going up on stage for multiple services or just one or for hundreds or for 10, man, you are on the front line of something great. Uh, let God be the first teacher that you seek. And uh, as worship leaders, there is more. And as worshipers, there's more. I wanted to read um, just these last few lines of chapter one. It says, maybe as we walk towards this army, instruments in hand, we would have talked about our time as worship leaders, as artists. We'd share stories of when our story intersected with his story, him being the Lord. In fact, it was this passage of scripture that sparked this entire book. These next chapters are some of the stories I'd share with you as we walk toward the miracle. They span over years and often feel disconnected, but they aren't because they all happened to me and they, all, they were all drenched in him. I look forward to journeying with you and sharing my story as a worship leader so far. And that's my heart. And that's the reason why I'm doing this podcast. I hope it maybe can get some deeper discussions. You know, I didn't set out to write these chapters to tell you how to worship or tell you how to lead worship, but Man, I think there's a, I don't know, a thread of, of worship that links us all together. And uh, I think it'd be time to have that conversation. And so as you go through this chapter by chapter, if you're reading the book, uh, put yourself on the front line next to me, next to your friends and family. And uh, I wonder what God would do and what God would say to us as we um, open up our life to him. And so as we lead and grow together, let's stand shoulder to shoulder together on the front lines. God's up to something. Let's not miss it. See you there.